0: Your favorite fat boy.
1: What's up, Barry fat boy, Jerron.
0: Stephon, a.k.a. Mayhem, a.k.a. the Black Moses, a.k.a. the New New Negro.
1: <laughs> the New New Negro?
0: The
1: New New Negro. See, we already had some new ones. I'm the newest. There you go. What's up, everybody? We're doing a little something different here of our setup. We're doing, uh, I guess you can call it remote podcasting. Because Jerron just had ass surgery. <laughs> you got to tell everybody that. Edit that out. <laughs> I'll hey, think hey, about hey, it. of fact, start over. <laughs> so, yeah, I was out for a little while. I had um I was out for about a I was in the week in the hospital. They had to run some testing on my heart and I um, also had a, a small surgery as well last last Friday, so I am recovering and recuperating at home. Sir "When you got that new ass that all you women been hoping for. Really? We going to do ass jokes? <laughs> Edit it out. <laughs> I had an affection in a very peculiar place there to remove it, so, and, uh, yeah, but I'm glad, you know, I, ain't, I, didn't, I didn't put anything on social media just because I don't like to, I keep, I keep certain things to myself, of course, and I don't, I don't necessarily want a pity party, you know, if I reach out to you, I'm letting you know, like, hey, this was going on, and you say a prayer, say a prayer, and I appreciate it. Or, you know, just to talk to me, you know, kind of give me some confidence, you know, keep in mind for things that's going on. So something that Stephon doesn't do too well. Hey, hey, I picked you up from the hospital, goddammit. You did. I appreciate that.
0: Bad I tell I'm you to check on me. But did I follow through with it, though?
1: Did you? Well, I didn't check on you. No, you the did. The answer didn't know. is when yes. Up, yeah, when I, up, when I woke up from the surgery, I saw you did touch me, so.
0: did. Yeah, the answer is yes. Thank you very much. I do my due diligence. I just sometimes need to be reminded what the due diligence is. 20 years of friendship. Hey, hey, you're going to have to get over
1: that. I should remind you. You're going to have to get over that. All right, what are we talking about today? So uh, today, I guess, is about being the well, it's the 27th. We haven't done a, a, anything regarding Black History.
0: Yeah, It's still officially Black History Month.
1: Yeah, so so history, Black History Month. So I wanted to touch on the film Judas and the Black Messiah that came out earlier this month as well. Uh we both watched it, so you know, I had a couple couple things I wanted to ask you, some things we can touch on to see how you know how the film was. So I will give our review of the film pretty much and what was uh what were we left with after we after watching it.
0: Okay. Yeah, it was definitely definitely a, I, w- I would say it was a good movie. Said I thoroughly enjoyed it, and you can definitely tell that was it Daniel Kaluuya he's trying to get that Oscar.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the film as well. To piggyback off what you said, he he selects. You can tell he's very selective of his roles. He, he's not just playing any old body, right? I think that helps him with like you you we seen him in Get Out, we have seen him in a couple of the films after that, and. It's like now he's stepping forward into that uh that male leading role, like that kind of like that that top pick conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. So and definitely him and Lakeith Stanfield were going all in in this movie to portray
1: these two real life characters. So what you think about uh, Lakeith Stanfield performance in this?
0: Oh, I mean the the thing that I would always say about
1: Lakeith Stanfield is he
0: always falls into a role. He's always rather impressive to me. Every every movie that I've seen him in, even from The Get Out to Sorry to Bother You, anything that he's doing, Atlanta, anything that he does, he always falls into the role. So he definitely encompassed the conflict that this particular character was having and doing what he was doing to save himself while actively being traitorous to people who was looking out to better people that his life and his community. So, yeah, I, I definitely was impressed with his, with his performance.
1: Yeah, as an actor, I, I think he's, he's, he's a really good actor. Like, I, I enjoyed him in, uh, what's the show? in Atlanta. I enjoyed him in Atlanta, and I enjoyed seeing him in uh, different roles. I think when I see him do oh interviews, God. though, he kind of goes a little, little far left for me. But I think that's just, that he just showcases his personality. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a weird oh, person.
0: <laughs> In and of himself, he is a weird person. But his acting is always top-notch.
1: Yeah. So I don't hold that against him. You know, I, I, and it, his art is his art. Who he is outside of that, that's who he is. I know, a lot, I've, I've seen a lot of comments. People were saying that they didn't, they were upset at him. I guess, you know, either for, either for portraying such a good role you know, oh, get, sorry, given a, get a, get a, get a good performance, given what that that character who that character was in the movie, right? And it's like you know, but that's not him; it's, it's just him acting. Well, you know, that that's
0: that's the sign of a good performance. Think of like uh, the kid who played Joffrey in Game of Thrones. I mean, before his character died in that series, people hated that kid because they hated the you know they hated the character because he portrayed that character so well, even though. Well, the character he played isn't indicative of the person because you played the role so well, right? So yeah, that's understandable. That I mean that's high praise right there.
1: Yeah, it's so, a you know big, big, uh, big form of flattery. I know it's, it's probably other characters. I can't think of like um. I know you. I know you didn't watch uh The Wire like that, but one of the characters on there he played a crackhead. His name was Bubbles, right? And the actor who played him, they were at. He told a story about how he was at a. A HBO party, and he met he bumped into Mark Wahlberg, and Mark Wahlberg came up to him and said, "Hey man, don't you, you know mess this up? You know you got a good thing going here. You know you got a second chance in life. You know you better do right by it." And the, and the actor was kind of taking back, like, "Wait a minute, you really think I'm a crackhead?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "You're not." He's like, "No, I'm an actor." He's like, "Oh, I thought you know the, the to them the show looked so realistic and they played such right." You know, put like, so much realism playing, into those, you, the roles. Yeah, you had to be playing that role for personal experience because you did it so well. Right. <laughs>
0: Apparently, he must have had a personal experience as a crackhead, <laughs> according to Mark Wahlberg.
1: According, yeah, to the Marky Mark. So, what was a big takeaway that you got from from the film itself? Did you did you uh, learn anything new uh, regarding maybe the Black Panthers or maybe something about Fred Hampton?
0: Well, this is a topic that I've. Thoroughly researched years ago, so nothing was new to me. Now, granted, because this is a dramatization of events, they definitely put in a more personal touch into the characters that you wouldn't really get from reading history. So, you know, there was that, but as far as the Black Panther Party, Fred Hampton, this particular incident that occurred, this was all stuff that I had researched many, many years ago, so nothing was really new to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I would say for me, I knew I knew a little bit about Fred Hampton. I knew a little bit about the Black Panther Party. What was, what was his was name Bill O'Neill? Bill O'Neill's character and what he meant to the what he meant to the party that was all new to me. So it, it was it, I enjoyed like you know learning more and then also researching more right. about what the, the Black Panther Party you know did more because I think just like the what I knew back like, on top of my head was that they were. Uh, providing, you know, breakfast and lunch to the to the communities for the children there. Yeah,
0: yeah, they had you know that. daycare programs, community right, outreach. Right. They were doing community outreach.
1: Yeah, so that was that was uh, something that I was like oh, okay, I didn't I didn't know that. And for me, when I I want I want to give I want to like learn more about certain parts of our history, but that also makes me a little upset because it's like they you know they take stuff away from us, either they they, they killing us or they they throw us in jail for something petty. And, you know, it's things like that. And you're like, you kind of, it's like, if we're trying to uplift our community, why is that such a problem?
0: I mean, think of it like this way. At one point in, in our history, in the history of United States of America, Martin Luther King, according to the FBI, was the most dangerous man in the country. Right. The man talking equal rights and treating... Black people in all minorities with respect and equality was considered the most dangerous man in America. So anybody that's looking to unite the people and uplift and uproot the status quo, the social norms, is looked at as dangerous and they need to be stopped. So when black people want to do it within their communities, they need to be stopped. I mean, if you look at the history of America, the amount of race riots, I do quotes because... They were just massacres of various groups, various minority groups, by white people because they were having a a come up. It's ridiculous. There are just several, 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 several times that this occurred.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And to know that you know Fred Hampton, he was only twenty one when he yeah. was when he was killed. I thought he was, I thought he made me like twenty to twenty three, but he was a fairly young man. Yeah. And they and they. They, I think they in the no, I think during the film was it during the film? I maybe I might be confusing the the Panther the Panther movie itself that Mario Van Peebles did. But I think you know because they the they had uh Mother the King had got assassinated during sometime during this time or like I guess the, in the the Judas and the Black Messiah movie this happened before. Yeah, it happened before. Like he was assassinated before the, the like he started like kind of like on his uh revolutionary rollout. So you have, you have Martin Luther King that's been assassinated. Malcolm X got assassinated. Yeah. And now they're, they, now they're targeting, you know, Fred Hampton because they don't want an uprising pretty much.
0: Right. Yeah. said so the worst thing that the powers that be can have are the dregs, the dregs of society oh, uprising and looking f- to have a better way of life. Because if I, if I have you in a position where I can exploit you for everything that you're worth, and I don't have to offer you anything. I don't want to change that.
1: Hmm. One thing that one thing I liked about the one thing that stuck in my mind about the film is that uh, towards the end, when they the the crowns had offered him well gave him some money to kind of go you know to flee the country and go somewhere overseas. Yeah, and I don't know how much it was. It might have been maybe ten grand or so. But they offered him this money, and they were talking about, you know, what they, sh- you know, how they're gonna get him, you know, pretty much, you know, out of the country and everything like that. And he, he's like, no, ain't no point in running, you know. He said, well, it's said, it's a five year bid, I can do that. He did two and a half years, I think, you know, what, what you know, I think the, what the film showed. And then he gave the money to one of his comrades and said, you know, go and open up the medical center. Right. Yeah, I, I was just like, cause. That was a very selfless act. That like you have your your woman who's, who's pregnant about a well, I think she gave she gave birth like maybe like some some many days later after all this had happened. But it's like do you know you know do you risk going on a run or do you just go ahead and just do the time because it's just you that they they're going after to do the time do the, do the five years. But you know that in that five years you gonna have this medical center up and running. It's gonna help a lot more people than versus helping you and your your child and your and your woman.
0: Right, because the fact of the matter is, if you go on a run, you're gonna always have to be on a run. It's gonna be hard to be the the front runner of your movement if you have to always evade the police and evade the U.S. government. So, you know, that was just a conscientious decision that just made the most sense.
1: Yeah, so it shows you, you know, he was a one. He was a stand up guy. He was. He was smart about his decisions because he knew what he what if he did ultimately affected others around him as well. Right. And it's, it's like kind of what my, my dad always says it's a ripple effect. He, like you said, if you want to run, he's gonna always evade the police. But he did a five year bid, you know where he's at, you know that you can, he's, he's serving his time, you know his 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 woman, his his child are you know, safe for the time being, out of harm's way in the sense they're not they're not being talking about the police, of course. Right. So it you know that was just a it was like okay I, it made you it made it made me see him in a, in a in a in a in a in a light like okay like he wasn't just you know it wasn't all show when he wasn't speaking those rallies you know he also stood when when he was by him, when he was around his comrades he was still the same person.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, just not even from the dramatization of the movie. Just if you understanding the history of Fred Hampton in and of itself, that was the kind of guy. That he was—that is what made him very dangerous. Living your truth and preaching the life that you're
1: living—that's hmm. that's, that's, that's a good point. I like that, you know, being—he's he's dangerous because he's living his truth, and you you, know, you can't put a price on that. You can't, you know, you really can't sway somebody like you know, like a Bill, like a like a Bill O'Neill. Right now, one, when, uh, one thing that um, I asked you earlier, we you know when before we uh, did this. It's how can somebody, you know, like how can you, how can you set your people up like that in a way, and betray them when they, when they are trying to, you know, do something positive? I look the community, trying to beat the system and things like that. Like it, it was hard for me to wrap my head around Bill O'Neill's motives, because I mean, I understood he was, he was looking at time and everything, because they kind of, you know, they like, look, if you don't do this for us, we're gonna put you with this sentence. You're gonna serve time for the crimes you committed. well it's like. How can you still go follow through with that? Humans are
0: inherently selfish. It's how we survive. We have to we have to protect ourselves and survive. That's how most animals in nature are. When you look at you know zebras in the wild, sure they'll try to protect their young, but if a lion gets its mouth around the neck of a baby zebra, the rest of the zebras will continue to run off. Because it's about protecting yourself. So with Bill O'Neill, it was about protecting himself. It was about not going to jail on whatever charges they had. And it was about continuing to make money so that he could sustain his life. So it makes perfect sense because this is what you see all the time. Most police officers have CIs, confidential informants, who live in that life but are willing to flip on the people that they're living that life with because they benefit from it because humans are inherently selfish and we have to look out for ourselves because if we if I look out for myself and I continue to survive then I can continue to do more now granted you will have the outliers who are all about building up the community I want to out I want to outreach I want to make sure my people are doing very well but that is not really the norm per se
1: no, it's not. Cause you, the, and also this is, I think this is also depicted in a lot of like cop dramas. You always know, got right. that one. You got that, you got a CI that you always go to, or you got somebody's undercover and they going so deep or they they make you know immoral decisions, things like that. And, you, and it's very questionable. I just I, I just can't. I just really couldn't like wrap my head around like you know if I'm doing my own dirt, I'm gonna do you know. And I get caught. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and you know you know face the consequence. I just couldn't see myself doing that. It's easy to say that when you're not presented with that situation. This is true. This is true. And I I hate those kind of those situations. Or or say like you know, well, if it was me, I wouldn't do that because I'm not in that situation. But it's just like I think. I think when I look at the whole picture of it's like, why would I want to knock down or help tear down the Black Panther Party? I'm not a part of that. But you know what? I said what y'all doing, but I'm not I'm not a part of it. But I'm looking out for myself but, now.
0: They're doing a lot for the community. But what are they doing for you personally? All right, we are feeding these kids. We are uplifting this area that we working in. But what are they doing for you personally? I still have to go home. I still have to live in squalor. I still have to live in a dangerous neighborhood. That's you know outside of the area that we working in. What are they doing for me personally that would make me want to not flip on them if given the opportunity yes
1: hmm. that's, that's a good point what, what you know what are they doing for him and one thing i want thing i remember about the film is that when they had that scene where they had a shootout with the police you know right. he said he's going up to the roof and everything and he did and then he he came back down and then the the woman and the man they were uh they were shooting out the window they eventually get locked up and everything and you never see you don't see for the rest of the film after that but it's like, it's like but, if, but if they had given the opportunity to to come back in there, they probably would have told somebody like, hey, we can't trust him. You said, if you, you know, just the semantics of the scene, they would not
0: have known. So maybe he was able to get away and within the shootout, but they were inside the building. So they did. not So, it, you know, they wouldn't have had all the information to say that. Oh, yeah, we
1: can't trust him. Sure. So a last question regarding the film. Well, probably one more. Have you ever gotten you know angry or upset learning about a history, watching these type of movies?
0: Not so much from watching these types of movies, but from learning about history. The further back you go in history, especially in American history, in concerns to blacks and other minorities, because the native indigenous people had a bad way to go. And you look at the amount of death and destruction that was forced on specific groups of people. For the advancement of this country, it can it it made me extremely angry, and and you don't get a lot of that because a lot of those subjects don't get touched on in movies. There are a few movies like Rosewood and some other ones, you know, like Roots that touch on a lot of this stuff, but there aren't enough of them. But when you read history, and I've looked at a ton of history because I always had a thirst for knowledge. And then you see all of this stuff. Yeah, you, it definitely made me angry quite a few times.
1: Yeah, it makes me upset too. And I found myself like getting upset about more so how they treat. It's like it pretty much how they treat us, and had treated us. And it's like, well, why? Why you know, after four hundred years of slavery, you you okay, we're free, but you don't give us no no kind of support. And then you give us Jim Crow, and then you segregate us, and then we had to fight for civil rights. It's like, damn, like we we did you know, you took us from our land, <laughs> you enslaved us. And we're not asking for a handout, but it's like, can we have something to kind of, you know, to, to build our own, you yeah, know, and the more I learn about our history, it just like, I try like certain, insta- certain instances that may happen, that may have happened in my, 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 you know, my employers over the years, I try not to look at that. or oh, that's a racist that, that that may be racist or, you know, they might've overlooked me because I'm black. I try not to look at it that way when it happens but when I think about certain instances, I think about, well, then, you know, maybe, maybe what's some hidden racism there. It just makes it makes me think more, you know. I don't say get paranoid, but it just makes you think like y'all had y'all had the systematic y'all had these things in place where you know it's really hard for someone of color to advance sometimes, and that's upsetting because like it's 2000, it's 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Why are these things still in place? Why is it still happening? But I enjoy learning about our history. It's just, you know, sometimes it does get, it's, it's like overwhelming because you learn about how, just how dirty they did us.
0: So the, the thing about it is this isn't new as far as history goes. And it's not just a black thing. Like granted right now, the, the it's a black thing, but it's not always been a black thing. Because if you look at even in American history, the Irish were looked down upon. The Dutch were looked down upon. Anytime a new group of people came over to the country, the people in power always looked down upon. And the people who are already here look down upon them because they look at like they're trying to take over. And that's the same thing that happened with black people when the slaves were freed. And now you got all of these new people looking for new opportunities. The people who are already established. Oh, shit. They're trying to take over. It's the same, the same type of rhetoric that happens in politics with illegal immigrants. They're trying to take over. So it's not just, it's not new and it's not just focused on black people because it's happened to quote unquote white people before they expanded what white was because they did it to the, they did it to the Dutch. They did it to the Irish. They did it to the Asian folks who came, you know, the Japanese who came over. This is not new. It's always the people in power want to keep the status quo and they convince the people below them that these new people or this other this other is trying to supplant you and you need to do something about it. So it's going to always happen. <laughs> so I don't know at what point in time when it's not going to happen, but from way, way back in history until now, it's constantly happened. So I don't ever see it changing.
1: Unfortunately. Right. This this type of movie would you watch? I know I know you're probably going to watch it again, but I guess like how soon would, would you watch it? I mean, I always watch these kind of movies. I'm I'm a, a huge
0: cinephile. So, this type of movie, you know, bi, you know, biopics, hitting your know, movies about history, that's the kind of shit I love. Cuz again, one of my favorite genres of books that I like to read are his, historic nonfiction's. So this kind of movie just kind of resonates with me.
1: Yeah, I probably watched it, uh, maybe probably like in a couple months, because I did watch the PBS. Uh, yeah, God I was show, right? I,
0: Yeah, I saw that when it first aired many many moons ago. Yeah, I
1: went. Yeah, I went back and tried and found it on YouTube. It's it's a that that part of it is I think it's thirty minutes. I don't know how I think it's like part is like a huge. Yeah, yeah. There's tons I mean, of it's kind of broken into parts. Yeah. 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 So that's that, that. What this one part of it is like maybe they like thirty minutes long. And they just talked to they talked to Bill O'Neill a little more and you know get like guys kind of perspective on things and they touched a little bit more on like the some of the overall that happened in the film itself so I would recommend you know anybody to, if you can find it you know watch it it gets a little, a little more insight to Bill O'Neill itself like post right Fred because Hansen's they and because
0: they did interview him directly
1: yeah and I didn't know he and I didn't know he um he had he had killed himself after the, that documentary that
0: yeah, that was actually. I mean, I knew that he killed himself, but I didn't know that it was directly after the documentary had aired. That was some new information for me as well.
1: Yeah, I thought that was crazy. I, you know, I, I guess I don't know. I guess it might have been, I guess guilt written. You know, because he what he you know he he, what he did for so long, and I, guess, I don't know. I don't know if he got hate mail or not or if people found out about what he did, things like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean,
0: a- after that documentary, all of that was going to come out. Who knows what would have happened anyway?
1: Yeah. But uh, a good film, nonetheless. I'm glad he was able to put it. I'm glad that, you know, this type of film has has come out. And I look forward to seeing what else Daniel uh, Kaluuya Kaluuya will do next. Right. You know, give give us a good performance. So, on a lighter note, since, uh, you know, we're talking about about films, I uh, sent you a question, you know, name your five top black films. And, you know, one being comedy, uh, one being action, three being autobiography, Four being a hood classic and five being a romance. See, when, the, when I first read
0: that question, I started to think, I mean, what do you mean by black film? Is it just starring black people? Is it black directed? So what, what makes a black film?
1: Oh, a black cast.
0: Okay, just a black cast. All right, all right. Then, all right. then, my, then my list is going to shift slightly.
1: <laughs> okay. So I, I'll go ahead with the first one. So, the, my, so there's, no, there's no, no particular order. Right. But just, I was just thinking like just like like what's your favorite I guess like your favorite uh out of all these uh, all these topics here. So my favorite comedy, uh it, I would have to go with life. Okay. Martin Lawrence and uh Eddie Murphy. Okay. I mean I like life. It's pretty funny, but it definitely wouldn't
0: be in my top for a black comedy. You have. For that one it was a it was a toss up between coming to America and I'm gonna get you sucker, and coming to America kinda edged it out. So coming to America,
1: really? Yeah. Okay. I, I thought I think coming to America is an easy answer. It, it's, a great, I mean, a great film. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, a great film. I just think it's an easy answer for a lot of people to say. Oh, what's the what's the best black comedy? And you're going to say you're going to say Life. You're either going to say Coming to America. I get you. I'm gonna get you sucker. Or Harlem Nights. I think one of those four somebody going to say. Like I said, for for me, Life wouldn't even be in that running.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's funny as it is. Just, as far as best black comedy goes, there's just so many others that trump it.
1: Life is one of the best films because the fact that they actually have an, a, a a big a, they have a big cast of a lot of funny people and, and it works. I mean, you can say that about Harlem Nights.
0: Harlem Nights had damn near every black comedian there was at the time.
1: Yeah, I think it's just, it's just, it's just personal preference at this point. <laughs> so again, so th- th- that 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 said, that rubric doesn't hold anything because you can say
0: that about most of the black comedies. All right, let's move on to the next one. All
1: right, so action. I got Blank Man. Okay. Oh, I,
0: I love Blank Man, but for for action, I would have to say New Jack City.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's my, I like that's, my that's one of my, that's one of my favorites. But <laughs> I, I I just want I just want to give credit to Blank Man because. I don't think you know. I think it's it's a forgotten film almost.
0: Yeah, I, I guess you could say that. I mean, because it wasn't a huge film. No. And would you would you consider Blank Man more action than comedy? Because I, I would I would say it leans further further towards comedy. Than yeah,
1: like. I I, had, I did have I did I did the back and forth. I was like, this is comedy? This is action? This is action? Does comedy? And I was just like, well, I, I just, I'll get, i just go ahead because I wanted to mention it. So like, no. <laughs> <I'll>
0: <laughs> I like. Mean, I you could just add an honorable mention section.
1: Yeah, so for me it's blank man.
0: Yeah, for me for me I'm gonna have to give it to New Jack City.
1: Yeah, New Jack City's a great film. Like i I watched I think that's one of the first movies I've probably seen that was that you saw like on, like I saw that it was on like it came on HBO or whatever. Right. And it wasn't like, you know, like say like VH one or, or B E T wasn't edited. It's was, like I saw every, you know, I heard every cuss word, I saw everything, I was like, oh boy, this is what crack is like. <laughs> this was like selling crack. Right. And it was a, one of Mario Van people's best
0: movies that he directed.
1: Yeah. I don't think he has a long list of what movies he directed, but. You know, oh, he does not-
0: have a long list. They're just. They're not very good. <laughs> he has a long list of oh, movies oh, he's
1: directed. Oh, <laughs> he not- a, lot, a lot of bad ones in there. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a lot. It's definitely a lot of B
1: movies. Like Solo? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. What's your. What's your uh... What was your comment? Oh, you said New Jersey. Okay. So, autobiography, I, I, put, up, I put up Ray as my answer with Jamie Foxx.
0: You know, I've never f- seen that whole movie. Because I think the one time that I, I was watching it, it was always traveling somewhere. So, I've never watched the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, for me, it's for auto- <laughs> as far as autobiographies go, I would have to go with Malcolm X. Yeah, it it was a toss up between uh, Malcolm X and Lean on Me, but Denzel Washington performance trumps Morgan Freeman's and Lean on Me. So yeah, Malcolm X.
1: Le- Lean on Me was a uh, was a. Yes,
0: it oh. is. Yeah, it's based. It's based on an, an actual person.
1: Oh, hmm. I thought Joe. Fo- I thought Morgan Freeman just playing himself. No, <laughs> no,
0: Mr. Clark is an actual teacher. <laughs> Free Mr. Clark is an actual teacher. Yeah, so Malcolm X kind of edges out, lean on me on that one. So yeah, Malcolm X is my my favorite
1: of black yeah, I, I, I like Malcolm. I like I like Malcolm X. I probably like. It seems like I've watched that like maybe like once every two years. Hmm. But when Ray come on, it's like I sit down, and watch Rick. It's, it's, I just like the I like the performance overall, Jimmy. I'm about it, yeah, 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 and, and it, Ray got music. <laughs> them them scenes, is, them music scenes is tough. Right. Alright, so Hood Classic, I got Paid in Full, which you, didn't, you have not seen. That no movie ever, that
0: I have not seen, and I kind of refuse to see it. You better go ahead and watch it. You ain't got nothing better to do. <laughs> I always got something better than to, to watch Paid in Full. I'm going to trump your Paid in Full, I, and I'm going to raise you Boys in
1: the Hood. Man, boy, that's an easy Hood Classic movie. <laughs> I, can't take classic. Away from the hood. I can't take, take nothing away from Boys in the Hood. I can't. The performances were great. The story was great. It's a coming-of-age film. It's very relatable. From what it was made in like 93? yeah, you know, it's to motherfucking it John today. Singleton, baby, yeah, you know, God his So I like, I mean, paid it for. I just think that's just a that's just a tough movie when you like, you know, they like the characters, He starts off, you know, humble. He he working a, a modest job at the dry cleaners, you know, getting paid a regular job, but he sees his best friend is hustling. And, you know, pulling up in BMWs, you know, looking you know, real looking real fresh and everything with the jewelry and everything. He doesn't get into it until his till his best friend gets locked up. And they's he's like, he somehow gets messed up in the drug game. So just good fellas. Yeah. But <laughs> a black people. <laughs> but it's a, it's actually, is actually based off real characters in, in Harlem. Uh, was it Richie Porter? And uh, was it... Uh, Alphonse? Alphonse? I can't think of the guy's name. A Z, I can't think of the guy's name on top. But like, this is actually based on real characters in Harlem. I mean, uh, one of these days I'll actually sit down and watch it. One, of are th- gonna
0: watch it. <laughs> one of these days, you watch
1: it. This is one of my favorite films. It, you know, um, and, and this is one of Cameron's. Cameron doesn't act doesn't have too many acting roles. Period. As he should. <laughs> like. <laughs> He played this role extremely, extremely well. Okay, I, I have to take your word for it. So, yeah, like he, I said, he doesn't have too many acting roles, and this is and this is also not like a. It's a hood movie, but it's not like a, a, a class movie. You got Makai Pfeiffer in here. I forgot who the director is for this film, but it was it's it's, it's legit. You know, it's not like it's not like Shadows. You ever seen Shadows? You have seen Shadows? Yeah, great. I've seen that. I mean,
0: what you trying to say? What you trying to say?
1: You know, Shadows not that good of a movie. Okay, I'm not saying that it was, but I'm saying what you're trying to say is not on that level. You oh. <laughs> said one of these days I'll sit down and watch it. All right, so you said uh, you you said Boys in the Hood, get away yeah. from that. So romance, I got a thin line between love and hate with Martin Lawrence. Yeah,
0: for this one, man, it was it was kind of difficult for me to pin down what it I think was a good black romance movie because I wanted to say Jungle Fever. But if we just went main black cast, then that kind of excludes Jungle Fever because white lady. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with Love and Basketball.
1: Okay, okay.
0: If not, if only for the scene at the end of the movie where he jammed on that one. <laughs> I think
1: yeah, Love and Basketball was a good film. Right, right, yeah, yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, I I I don't have no problem with that. Like a lot of, recently it's like come up with a lot of a lot of people saying that it's, oh it's not as good as it as people may think it is. But like I mean it it it's it's, it's a it's a it's a fairly well told story. Oh yeah, The yeah, yeah, yeah. Acting is good. You know I don't I don't see what the hang of it now is. I think when there were a lot of black films coming out one period of time, I think this I think Love and Basketball is better than uh, Brown Sugar. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really like brown sugar honestly
0: it's not a bad movie it's not a bad movie but it does nothing for me
1: i try like brown sugar but that just seemed it just it's something about that it just seemed not real. Like, you know in the writing room they're like yeah go with that idea go with that idea and it's like you sure like yeah yeah that'd be good that'd be good it just seemed like it just i don't know i guess realism is not there yeah i mean it still I picked love and,
0: love and basketball, but I I still wanted to pick Jungle Fever. I'm just gonna put that out there.
1: <laughs> I ain't going to problem with Jungle Fever. Either. Oh, if, if that's the case, then,
0: then I'm I'm trying to just follow in the rubric that we created for this list.
1: <laughs> so yeah, Jungle Fever. That's, that's you wanna you know I I have no problem with that. You know oh I, well, I, the Jungle Fever I thin it line is. thin love and hate. i to love and hate is just one is uh, I, I, I think it's one of Martin's best one of his best films and. You know, this, this story is, I think it's something that, you know, you you can, it's a, it's a timeless story. You know, Guy's a player. His old his old love interest comes back into his life, but she's not giving no kind of play. So he's kind of waiting around to see, you know, if he has a shot or not. In the meantime, meets this woman, who is a challenge for him to kind of get. He ends up, you know, swooning her eventually, but then he brushes, you know, brushes off or cuts off. To, you know, to pursue the the love he really wants. And then he ends up, you know, breaking her heart, the woman before, and then she, you know, pretty much wants to kill him and ruin his life. You know, single
0: white female type situation. Right. <laughs> yeah, like I see. You know, I take nothing from A Thin Line Between Love and Hate because I do love that movie. But I don't know if I would call it so much romance as far as a more of a comedy thriller type situation. Eh.
1: A lot of these movies kind of teeter on these, you know, these lines between comedy action or, you know, romance comedy, things like that. So when I Google, when I Google romance movies, this did come up.
0: <laughs> I, guess, I guess if we, if we got to confirm the almighty Google, <laughs> then I guess it works.
1: Yeah, Google gave some interesting answers because yeah, they give me a lot of categories, different lists and things like that. So I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So well, I guess that wraps up the, you know, what we at the time for the podcast. Anything else you want to touch on?
0: Nope, that's it. And you know, as always, I will have both of our lists in the comments section or in the description section on SoundCloud and on
1: YouTube. Oh, let me ask you this real quick: What? What? I've I've never seen Jungle Fever all the way through. What makes Jungle Fever that you know that that pick for you?
0: One because it's it's for me it's a rather endearing flick about going against social norms to be with somebody that you want to be with. Because again, the whole premise of Jungle Fever is the fact that. You know, a lot of people get upset when black men go after white women, especially in the black community. So it, 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 it's really endearing just going after the thing that you want, regardless of what the rest of society says. No, you shouldn't be doing it. And it is an actual romance movie.
1: Oh, Shade, J <laughs> we definitely can revisit this on a, on, a, on another day. <laughs> and you know break especially that part about you know conforming to society especially about black men dating and white women right. That that's definitely a topic within itself yeah definitely so we'll go ahead what's it sign us out all right so
0: that's the show and as always you can check us out on youtube soundcloud google music play itunes and spotify
1: yep thanks for watching thanks for subscribing if you haven't subscribed please do subscribe comment like and share Let us know what you think about the film. Let us know what you, uh, as far as like, you know, what are your top, uh, you know, comedies, action films, favorite movie, autobiography, hook classic, romance, things like that. You know, we, we do respond to the comments when we see them. So, that is correct. That's the show. Peace out. Peace.